All right, welcome in episode 148 of the Hot Grits Podcast. I am Travis Jadon. More drama on today's episode, although not quite as much as the last two weeks. This is where we would usually do our Coach's Corner title sponsor ad. Not this week, not any longer. More on that on the other side of the break. For now, I'll tell you if you have a brand, business, company, or anything you want to promote, this spot could be yours. This opening ad read could be yours before the intro music on every Hot Grits podcast episode. So reach out to me if you're interested in that. In the meantime, we'll hear from Anchor. Let's get after it for a 148th time Hot Grits podcast. I hate LeBron James. When God created Adam and Eve, the next thing he did was yell at the referee. But first, some sports. Alright, welcome back in. Hot Grits Podcast, episode 148. Um, I'm Travis Jadon. You guys know that, obviously, already, if you're listening to this. Uh, we need to start with some housekeeping notes. This is becoming a running theme, but hopefully it won't last much longer. Um, long-time listeners of this show will know that Coach's Corner has been a title sponsor of ours since almost the very beginning, since October of 2020. Um, and really, they, John Henderson and the people at Coach's Corner took a chance on Spencer and I at the time when we didn't have a large enough audience to warrant sponsorships, but he believed in us and, and hopefully we returned the favor a little bit, but you know, a lot of the stuff that we talked about last week was just, it was too much. There was too much, uh, drama for lack of a better word. There was too much, uh, dissent within the coaches corner sports network. And I, I should say that that's solely because of me. It's because of what happened between myself and prep sports report. Um, and so I, I didn't want to lose a friendship, and, and I haven't lost a friendship. I will always be grateful to John Henderson. I will always be grateful to producer Lawrence, to Carl, um, to Brandon Bain, of course, to the Herb Brothers, my guys, the Herb Brothers, and really everyone over at Coach's Corner. I mean, I'm not going to stop going to Coach's Corner just because, you know, Hawkridge isn't a part of the sports network and that doesn't mean that we won't be in the future. But for now, uh, we do have a vacancy in the title sponsor uh, realm. Luckily, we do have a, a lot of segment sponsors and a lot of people that want to see the podcast succeed. They want Savannah sports and Savannah local issues to be talked about openly, freely, publicly. They want um, you know to have agreement and disagreement which I think is becoming more and more rare nowadays, even in sports, it's, you know, it's almost uh, like it's almost like you're allergic to things that you don't agree with. Just because you don't agree with them um, doesn't make them right or wrong. 
it just makes you different than whoever you're arguing with. I'm not going to get it into it too philosophically, but here's the bottom line. Coach's Corner did a lot for us on the Hawkers podcast and we'll always, always be grateful for, for them sponsoring it. And I completely understand why, you know, recent days and weeks and episodes and tweets would give Coach's Corner pause for concern. I completely understand that. Um, and so, I, you know, it would be disingenuous to not address that after we've been reading Coach's Corner's ads for, you know, for over two years, which is, which is crazy to think about. Uh, we went through a lot with those guys, and it was a blast, start to finish. All right, for a third week in a row... We got to check in on the Benedictine Savannah Christian Country Day after school incident. Why do we have to check on it? Why do you keep beating a dead horse? Well, because we're learning more and more each week. And it's not like it's the most important thing. I don't even know that it's really still news um, because of what I'm about to tell you. But if I start talking about it, on one episode, I certainly can't just run away from it, um, you know, if there's more information coming out. And so six months from now, if more information comes out, I'll bring that to you on here. Here's what we know, and it's not a lot, that's different. Um, let's start with that several people have told me, uh, independent of each other, that all of, if not most of the students at the game that night for BC have been suspended. They've been suspended by BC. I don't know how long the suspensions are. I don't know if it was the entirety of the people in the student section. I don't know if all of them were suspended from school and some of them were suspended from after school events. Uh, you know, I don't know what the extent of it is. But people I trust and multiple people I trust over several days have told me that. And that's that Benedictine students were suspended in response to the story that we first talked about on episode 146 where the BC students showed up to the Country Day game. Hopefully you know about that story by now. Christ, if you're not, then, uh, then backtrack a couple episodes. You missed a lot. You missed a lot. Um, so... That's one thing. That's one thing. Still no word from Savannah Christian. We still don't know what they're doing over there, whether they stand by. But, I mean, look, here's the thing. They're never going to – this could well be the end of it because Savannah Christian's not going to just come out and say something when nothing needs to be said. If they're satisfied with whatever BC did to punish students, and I'm, I'm pretty sure – I don't want to say positive, but I'm pretty sure Savannah Christian leaders have gotten word about what BC did to the students in attendance that night at Demery Gymnasium. Still no word from Savannah Police Department's Internal Affairs Unit. Still no word from them as far as the investigation into the two SPD police officers that were in the gym that night for the game. But we do know that on February 14th, Valentine's Day, uh, there is an alumni lunch at BC 
that roughly 175, 200 people usually show up to. Um, it's, it's, it occurs pretty regularly, and I think it's the second Tuesday, second Tuesday of every other month, maybe. Anyways, in February, the next one is February 14th. That will be the first time that people like Father Frank at BC will, will step in front of a large group of alumni, um, and who knows if any of it comes out. You know, I don't think media will be there. You you guys know who definitely will not be there? Sure, boy. I don't think they'll be there. Although it is a day of love. It is a day of love. Maybe I'll check in, see if I can get on the invite list. February 14th, that's a key date because after that, if we don't learn any more after that, that's the end of it. And look, I am, I've been pushing for transparency, for acknowledging whether it happened or not. If indeed students were suspended in mass by Benedictine, and that's what it sounds like, in mass, then that satisfies the requirement, in my mind at least, for BC acknowledging whether it happened or not. They don't get suspended if it didn't happen. Did Savannah Christian students also do things wrong outside the gym that night? It's not only possible, it's likely. Because when high school boys get into fights, rarely does one side turn the other cheek. You gotta have strong cheeks to turn that thing, man. Not me. I'm turning the whole body and just running the other way. Alright, one more bit of housekeeping, and this is kind of a weird one. This is kind of a weird one. Before we get to it, tell you guys about a new sponsor, we have Lady and Sons. Ever heard of them? The Lady and Sons Restaurant, 102 West Congress Street, downtown Savannah. Uh, if you want to call ahead, um, 912-233-2600, 912-233-2600. Best way to keep up to date with what's going on at the Lady and Sons um, is to check them out on Facebook. Go ahead and like their page there. Check out the store that's right next to the restaurant downtown. Paula Dean's store there. Right by the restaurant on 102 West Congress Street. On Facebook as well as LadyandSons.com. LadyandSons.com. The Lady and Sons restaurant. Seven days a week. 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. On Sundays and the weekdays. And then Friday, Saturday... They stay open until 10 p.m. So 11 a.m. every day they open, and then 10 p.m. on the weekends, 9 p.m. On the weekdays, check out Lady and Sons. Tell them the Hot Grits podcast sent you when you go. Um, All right. This one is a weird one, folks. This is a weird housekeeping note. And I usually wouldn't tell you guys. We know this is a truth-telling podcast. This is a place where we come to settle inside the trust tree, we're inside the trust circle, the circle of love. We can speak freely here. I gotta tell you guys about a dream I had. It was a crazy dream, man. And I think it came out of us talking about a basketball game last week. I don't know. Who knows about dreams? I definitely will not be talking about that basketball game anymore, but I have to tell you guys about the dream. 
It's a really crazy dream. I've had it for like three or four nights in a row. And it always starts with the same song. This is the song, la 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 la, Elmo's song. La 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 la, la 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 la, Elmo's song. I like it. La la la, la 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 la. To think he wrote this alone. La la la, la 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 la. Catchy. He loves to sing, la 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 la, Elmo's song. Oh, sing it. La 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 la. And you know what? The thing is, I had never heard this song up until recently. I think it's from a cartoon of some kind. But as I'm dreaming, deep asleep, that song comes on, and then I see a small man sitting in the timeout corner. He's far away, really far away. almost as far away from me as he could be. I don't walk towards him because he's in the timeout corner. He must have done something wrong. Plus, it's a dream and that creepy song's playing. But I look a little closer, see the man in the timeout corner. He's frantically making phone calls, calling everyone, trying to get out of this timeout corner. But only one person can get him out of that timeout corner. And he's calling everyone besides that person. I can't hear on the other side of the line, but I can see him making phone calls, hanging up, tapping the digits again, onto the next phone call. Clearly something, something is eating him. He desperately wants out of that timeout corner. And all he's got to do is make one call, but he can't figure out what call that is. Maybe that's why he's in the timeout corner to begin with. He was sending everyone he could after the one person who could get him out of that timeout corner, but the person wouldn't come. I don't know. But instead of, instead of trying to get out of that timeout corner, the most obvious way he can the small little man in the corner spent most of his time crying, complaining about why he was in the timeout corner in the first place. And every night, folks, every night the dream ends the same way. The song ends, the man's still in the corner, and I wake up and go about my day. It's a weird dream. I don't know what it means. I don't know what it means. It sort of reminds me of that Omar clip from The Wire. Hey, yo, lesson here, babe. You come at the king, you best not miss. Yeah, that's Omar. Omar coming. Something about if you come at the king, you bet not miss. Weird. Who knows how long that I'll keep having that dream. Pretty crazy. That song starts to wear on you, though. Elmo's song. 
from Elmo's song to Chip Carey, gone. Chip Carey left the Atlanta Braves television booth. This happened a couple weeks ago, but we've had our hands full here on Hot Grits, obviously. So we haven't had a chance to talk about it. Um, Don't have a lot of takes on this, but I'll tell you two. First thing I think of when I think of Chip Carey is that crazy moment when the Braves were playing, I believe it was the Reds, and we had it here on the Hot Grits podcast. We had clipped it up and put it in one of the episodes, but I couldn't find it for the life of me. But Chip Carey goes, and I think Jeff Francoeur is in the booth with him, and he says, as a, a relief pitcher for the Reds comes on, whose last name ends in the letter X, Chip Carey says to Jeff Francoeur, clearly Chip reading the wrong thing from the game notes. I think the man's last name was Hendricks. Anyway, he comes into the game and he says, and Hendricks becomes the first major league player ever to play in a major league game whose last name ends in the letter X. And the one-two pitch. And they just went about the game and then everyone started melting down. Because of course, if you're listening to this right now, you've probably already named five players. You could name 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 40, 50 players whose last name has ended in the letter X. That's what I'll think of when I think of Chip Carey. And then also the COVID season, I will say that his clearly fake enthusiasm, especially when the games tended to drag on past three hours, you could tell that he would get antsy. When there's no fans in the stands, it is nice to have a guy. It was nice to have a guy like Chip Carey. Because he's going to be just as fake in the booth when there's no fans as when the place is full. Who's next in the booth? That's an interesting question. I mean, I don't know how any of that works. I love Ben Ingram. He's great on the Braves radio network, but I don't really know how that works coming out of the radio booth. I'm sure they're taking pretty good care of him on the radio side. I don't know if that's two separate entities. I'm sure it is. One would be Bally Sports, right? The other one would be the Braves radio network. So I don't know how that works. Boog Shambi has always been... Uh, a name that I've liked and that people have long tied with the Braves TV booth. So it'll be interesting to watch. I mean, whether you care about it or not, if you're a Braves fan, you're going to be listening and watching whoever it is for a large majority of your summer. So it may matter more than you think. It won't matter in terms of the outcome on the field, but it'll matter in terms of the enjoyment or lack thereof of watching the Braves play. This spring. What about Johnny Carr, the number one real estate agent in the world, folks? Uh, John Carr's better than you are, but he's nicer than you are also, so he's not going to tell you that. I'll tell you that. John Carr's better than you and nicer than you. He's also great at selling and buying real estate for people in the Savannah area. Call him or text him today, 912-228-0916, 912-228-0916, John Carr Real Estate. Working over there with Ben Bloomley at Seaport Real Estate. They're killing the game. Uh, chances are you know about Seaport Real Estate already. And you're obviously smart, handsome, intelligent. You know about John Carr. Mm, I'm pretty sure you know about John Carr already. But if you don't, give him a call. Find him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
or shoot him a text, 912-228-0916. All right, a couple more notes here quickly, and then we will kick you guys to my interview from earlier Monday afternoon with 4th District Alderman Nick Palumbo. This was an interesting interview. Obviously, we talk about the globe. Um, I asked him about the Durin traffic patterns, if those are going to change prior to Chick-fil-A opening. He tells you when that Chick-fil-A is going to open. He tells you when the Starbucks is going to open. And we also talk about the city of Savannah's recreation department in terms of the baseball league that it offers um, and how potentially there could be some problems with how that's being run. He's already looked into it, so we talk about that. So stay tuned for that interview with Nick Palumbo, third time on HGP, our Pro Globe Alderman. All right, uh, you might have heard about Stetson Bennett getting arrested in Dallas. I don't have takes on this, guys. Like, I'm sure he regrets it. I'm sure he regrets it, but it's different than if it was a DUI or where he was hurting other people or in danger of hurting other people. He wasn't. He was being kind of a jackass. But when you win back-to-back natties, you can take that show on the road, folks. That's what he did. Went to Texas. Went to Texas. Got the damn thing done. Then got a 6 a.m. arrest session. So I'm sure he was ready to get out of Dallas, but I don't care about that. And no, it doesn't affect his legacy. Don't do that. You're better than that. You know who's not better than anything is LeBron James. Did you see what he did? Did you see what this fucking guy did, man? LeBron James is the worst. Yeah, he got fouled against Boston Saturday night. You've probably seen it by now. Game tied. LeBron drives in for the, what would be the game-winning layup. Jason Tatum fouls the hell out of him on his arm. And LeBron melts down like it was Game 7 of the NBA Finals. Like he was the first man to ever not have a call missed against him in the league. Ugh, he just sat there laying on the parquet floor for like 50 seconds. Then they went out and got waxed. Waxed by the season overtime. Beat LA, no problem for Beantown. Get up, LeBron. Eagles and Chiefs in the Super Bowl, folks. We're going to talk a lot about it next week. Prop bets, all of that. I think we're planning on collabing with the boys from behind the bar cast down there on Tybee. Um, As far as popularity goes, it's probably Joe Rogan podcast. And then right behind them, like right behind them, right there, right behind them. From behind the bar cast with Paxson and Clint down there on Tybee. So I plan on going down there. Uh, for next week, hopefully doing episode 149 uh, with a segment with them and then joining them on their episode, which they're up to like 102-ish, 103-ish, something like that. Um, So that ain't nothing to sneeze at. Looking forward to that. We'll talk a lot about the Super Bowl, obviously. Um, I don't really like, I'll be honest with you guys, I didn't watch a lot of the games, the NFC and AFC Championship games. The NFC game, it doesn't matter if you watched it. The Eagles, I mean, they throttled the Niners. And Brock Purdy going out makes it where you can't even really judge it. 
but it does feel like the Eagles are deserving. They could have easily routed the 49ers on Sunday with Brock Purdy being fully healthy, but we'll never know. The Bengals and Chiefs, I mean, look, I did not watch a lot of the game, but I've heard, read, seen, you know, a lot of what happened, especially in that final few minutes and the penalty or the uh, the phantom play that was that wasn't. I mean, a lot of stuff you could pick in that game, but I mean, my takeaway as not a Bengals fan and as not a Chiefs fan, like I'm not, I don't hate either team, don't care about either team. Uh, like, it's very clear if you're one of those two fan bases, you're going to keep knocking on the door. I mean, it, it feels like this isn't the last time that we've seen Bengals versus Chiefs uh, late in the playoffs. I'm not going to do that Peyton Manning, Tom Brady thing. I'm not going to do it. All right, let's get you guys to the interview. But before we do, HGPCDOTW, that's the world famous Hawkeye's podcast celebrity death of the week. Drum roll, please. I don't have drum roll uh, here or drums. Um, so if you know a guy with drums, hit me up. We'll edit this part out. HGP Celebrity Death of the Week this week is writers dead at the age of 1 million. Writers are because, because artificial intelligence has arrived, folks. iRobot is here. Shia LaBeouf's in the street fighting. Uh, Will Smith um, is in a house burning it down, fighting robots. It's here, and writers are gone. They're the first people to, to get got. Chat GPT. Chat GPT is a new program app that can essentially write content based off of a prompt. So that is unfortunate. Unfortunate to say the least, but at least at least there's some solace in winning the HGP CDOTW, which is a big, big time award. Alright, we'll kick it now to our interview with Fourth District Alderman Nick Palumbo talking to Rin Avenue Globe, obviously one of the world's seven wonders. It's a big deal, folks. But we also touched on some other things, including City of Savannah recreation dealing with some issues from its citizens and from uh, baseball teams that are ready to start playing at their public fields. It's pretty interesting there at the end. So stick around for that interview, and we'll see you guys next week from Tybee Island. From the... Behind the Barcast, from Behind the Barcast, next week for episode 149. Till then, stay safe, wash your hands, you have filthy animals. All right, we have 4th District Alderman Nick Palumbo with us again for a third time. And it feels like, uh, we we were talking just before recording, it's come full circle. Alderman Palumbo, uh, you have officially saved the Duran Avenue Globe. That's right. It is official. But you guys were the tip of the spear. Really, the, it, it is a credit to public input uh, from folks just like you and the Hot Grits podcast that championed this unique storied structure. And it, it's very unusual that in a place like Savannah, we'll have a 500,000 pound, 65 foot diameter steel globe. But if there's any place on the planet that could save the globe, it is Savannah GA. 
How often are you, I don't know how often this happens to you, but how often do you talk to people, um, friends, family that have never been here or don't live here, you know, and they may ask how your day went or, or how your week's going. How, do you ever have to explain to them what this globe is and why it actually like, matters? Oh, absolutely. So my folks live in uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, uh, down there, and, and they split their time between that and Mobile. And I remember them asking as this was popping up, and they said, wait a minute, trying to wrap their heads around it. What What is this thing? A, a globe? What, what function did it serve? And then when you tell folks that it was a natural gas distribution site, then that just begs for more questions. You know, how did this come to be? And you know, the, the real story of the globe starts in 1957. It was built in 1955. And just two years later, a young uh, Turner outdoor advertising company uh, gets a hold of this idea uh, that they can take everyday ordinary objects like a gas globe, like a water tower, and that they could sell ad space on there. So Ted Turner's dad grabs a hold of it. Uh, and says, hey, you've got a natural gas distribution site there at a prominent location. Will you let me paint it? Because I think I can sell ad space on there. And, you know, uh, Turner would go on to to do bigger and better things here in Atlanta, you know, in Georgia and then across the globe. Comes full circle. Uh, yeah, I'll say that's so crazy to think that there was a time when people didn't even think about advertising on stuff like that. You know, like, because I bet at the time it was like a revolutionary idea, but now it just well, seems so obvious. And it's, it's spherical shape was to hold uh, natural gas up there. I mean, this was, uh, this was an active use uh, up until just a couple of years ago. And even when Parker's was working on that, uh, and, and thank you to Greg Parker and, and the Parker's team uh, for saving this beloved structure. Uh, that there was actually natural gas still flowing through the site underneath, uh, that some of these utilities had to be routed around. So uh, in the end, it made sense to keep it, enhance it, and preserve it. And then once Parker's got a hold of it and, and they realized that it was this beloved structure, uh, they just put so much energy and an investment behind it. Uh, they spent $100,000 repainting the globe, and they actually flew in the same muralist, Eric Hen of Eric Hen Murals, who did the Globe 24 years ago. And uh, I talked to Eric and I said, what's it feel like coming back? And he said, it's just coming. It's like coming back home. You know, that he began his career. One of his first projects was the Globe. And then he used this to travel across the country. And now he's this award winning outdoor muralist that paints. He's famous for painting these enormous structures that's out there. So you'll have to check out his website. But if you've got a water tower out there and he is an award-winning water tower muralist, um, check it out, Eric Hen. Now that now that's my kind of an award too, because that's probably a competitive field. It is a competitive field. And I didn't know that there was an outdoor advertising mural you know, <laughs> award out there. Uh, but Eric is has gone on and had this now, wonderful career uh, doing this ever since he started with the Globe. And he was talking uh, on the site about it. And he said, yeah, he partnered with a mathematician, a, a local math teacher to help design it out, you know, to make sure that they got the topical uh, map right. And I asked him about the hurricane and he said, look, there it, it was a mistake. 
it was facing the wrong direction, but now they've corrected it. It's facing the right way. And the hurricane is passing Savannah. It's not colliding with Savannah. It's headed north and it, it's passing Savannah. Yeah, that's that's smart on the hurricane's part. Don't come messing. Don't come messing with us. Um, you can't come and mess with this city. Come on. Hey, when I saw when I read some of the Eric's quotes um, about the repainting of the hurricane, it kind of seemed like and I don't know this, but it kind of seemed like he like it was um, like it was a perfect thing that the hurricane was originally the wrong direction or going the wrong way or or that it was flawed somehow. Um, Like, did you talk to him about that at all, about like if he's heard about that over these last like 20 years? Yeah, that he he had mentioned it too. That every once in a blue moon, that you know someone would reach out to him, or they'd take a look on a, on his website at the Globe and say, "Hey, wait a minute, you know the hurricane's facing <laughs> the wrong direction." And he's based, uh, you know, he travels all over the country. He's not based in Savannah, and he always wondered if he would have the opportunity to come back and fix it. And then you know, Parker's reached out. You know, it's funny too that they weren't necessarily looking for Eric or to looking to hire the original muralist. They said, who is famous out there for painting these outrageously large murals on, you know, some pretty treacherous locations, you know, the top of a water tower, who's out there. And then they found Eric Han. And as it turns out, he was the same guy who did it 24 years ago. So (laughs) that was truly an experience. We're all coming full circle here. You know, we were the tip of the spear. Now we've gotten, you know, from the pointy end all the way through uh, of saving this thing. Uh, And it it becomes this meme. I mean, really, because the site, original site plan. Oh, it's popular now, Alderman. Now it's a popular thing to like the globe. but, But we were on it early. You were on it early. Spencer, myself, maybe a couple other people. But it it did not used to be popular to be pro globe. It was not popular to be pro globe, and that's why you got you know you and Spencer were the tip of the spear uh, in helping. You know, it started with just a handful of residents that said, "Why not? Why not save it?" And um, this crazy thing, this sixty-five foot diameter steel object, you know, this concept, and, and it didn't have any uh, preservation protection. It wasn't in a historic district. It, it wasn't a it was a local recognized landmark, but it didn't have any protection in place. So this was an entirely grassroots thing. And it's truly a credit to a local corporation, you know, that Greg Parker's right here in Savannah. He, he's lived here his entire life, born and raised here. So he knows the value of the globe. And when given the opportunity to save it, he said, oh, yeah, we're going to do that thing. And why not? You know, why not? That it's truly a landmark. And, you know, it's it's reemerged. I mean, it was hidden behind a bunch of buildings. It was tough to get to. Now it's accessible. You can walk right up to it. You can touch it. Um, what was it like def- uh, next door to the Republican National Com- or the Republican headquarters for Savannah or something? Am I making that up? That's right. It was a little. There was a two-story house that was there. There was the yeah the local uh, Chatham County Republican headquarters, a drapery. Uh, that was out there, Ma's Furniture, uh, a car repair shop, and there were a bunch of shops that were all around it. You had an electrical relay station, and and then the Globe itself was fenced in. It had razor wire around it. 
you know, to protect it. So it was this really strange site that had been built upon and built upon since 1955. And this gives it really a fresh start, a whole new look and, and a publicly accessible way. So Starbucks will be opening in just a couple of months. And what you'll do is you'll literally go through the drive through and drive around the globe to get a cup of coffee. So let me ask you this, because that's a good, that's a good point. I think a lot of people, um, like whenever it's, you know, maybe it starts off as a joke when you're talking about the globe, but then people are, do have real concerns about the opening of that Chick-fil-A and potentially that Starbucks prior to like the traffic patterns being adjusted. Cause I know there's traffic plans built in, but can you speak on that? Like, is the traffic going to be adjusted prior to the opening of the, of the Chick-fil-A? Oh, absolutely. You know, for a lot of folks out there, if they're not complaining, they're not happy. That's you know, true. I mean, that's true. If, if first it was, you have to do everything possible to save the globe. <laughs> uh, and then they said, well, but you can't do that. You know, don't mess with the traffic. So, and that's like taking a look at Duran Avenue, you know, trying to fix uh, traffic on Duran Avenue with one site. I mean, that's, that's an impossible ask. Sure, but uh, I think they wonder, is it going to get worse? Like, they, they're thinking about Mall Boulevard and the backup there if that happened on Duran. That's right. Yeah. That's right. And so for this site, because it's a new one, uh, this site in particular spent over a year in traffic en engineering and traffic engineering review. Uh, there were something, I'm not exaggerating, 27 different revisions that had to be made to the site uh, for entrance and egress. So the city had asked them to put in a new north-south right-of-way that connects the site to 73rd Street. Uh, there's multiple entrances, multiple exits. And it's not just getting in off of Duran. You can get in through White Bluff, get out through White Bluff. There's 73rd Street to the south, so you can connect to Abercorn Street. Uh, and they overbuilt the parking requirement, too. So Chick-fil-A is going to have true two drive lanes uh, that are there over 100 parking spots, extra parking. There's extra parking on the Parker site, extra parking on the the Starbucks site, uh, all for a contingency, you know, here to manage the traffic the best that they can. So we're excited to see it come to life. You know, the Parker's is open uh, right now today, uh, and we haven't seen any major backups out there, and, and it's going, you know, it's going really well. But, you know, the big one is Chick-fil-A. So, that one had a special review process for traffic engineering because we know how much demand there is Monday through Saturday. Um, and we're looking forward to it opening it up to, to prove everybody wrong, you know, that we can do this and, and engineer it the right way. Well, I got faith in you guys. And that makes sense to me. I think a lot of people will like or not, not just like that answer, Alderman, but a lot of people I don't think realize what you just said, including myself. So uh, that's good that we're bringing some knowledge to the fans here. Um, all right, a few more for you, Alderman. I, I I don't know if you can speak on this at all, but people have also wondered out loud about the Starbucks in 12 Oaks and the Chick-fil-A on Mall Boulevard. You, you don't have any idea as to what the status of those once once the two new locations open? Not yet, but you know there are numerous folks out there that'll that'll point to. There's some cities that have a Starbucks right across the street from each other. You know, depending. Oh yeah, I uh, think I, it'll work. Yeah, it, it'll work. I, I know that that Starbucks that's there on the new one that's going in is going to compete with Dunkin' Donuts. 
you know, so if you're a Duncan fan, you'll have some relief uh, that'll change things up too. Right. And uh, I anticipate that the, those two locations will still stay open, uh, but this will be brand new. I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with the design. You know, traffic, of course, and cars have been the biggest concern, but you know, you're going to get a lot of walk-up traffic too. Uh, the people are going to be able to come from neighborhoods surrounding to it uh, and walk to the site. We know that it's going to be a destination just because it's got this 500,000 pound globe there. Yeah. Uh, and they had to carve out some special locations for people to take photos with it as well so that you can put it on hmm. uh, Instagram. Uh, you can get on the gram. You can get on Twitter. You can get on TikTok while that's still alive and kicking, you know, and, and, and do your selfie right in front of the globe. So they've cut out a special portion right there where you can stand and get your picture taken. Now, that's great. But I, I do feel a little like Lewis and Clark because some of us went out there, hired a freelance photographer in the freezing cold, went out there and posed in front of it, fence and all, uh, and, <laughs> and did a photo shoot out there. We could have just waited, but but oh, well. Well, you've got the before. You've got uh, that's the before. right. That's it. That's it. Now that it's been painted, you know, that you you can <laughs> see the before and after and after you get up close to it from the street and from Duran, it didn't look so bad. But once you got up close, I'm sure you saw it had algae, mold. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, that it was really beginning to fall into disrepair. So it was time for a once over and an overhaul. And I'm super proud that the Parker's invested in the space. They, they recognized how valuable it was to the community and what an asset it could be for them as well uh, as a landmark, you know, that. Hey, uh, meet me over at Parker's. Which one? Oh, the one with the gigantic 65-foot diameter globe. That's it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. Um, okay, two more for you, Alderman. Uh, we're going to shift from the globe, but just one more time, congrats. Uh, next, we're gonna, we'll, we'll have to figure out the next landmark to save, but um, we know how to find each other should, should a landmark need saving. Um, I'm ready for the next one. Yeah, we put a fork in this one. We've got to move on to the next one. Well, do we help Curtis Purdy with the Savannah Mall? Like, is the Savannah Mall worthy of our of our efforts? You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, I think the Savannah Mall is going to be, I mean, that's gonna that's due for a major overhaul. We're excited that it's a local investor. We gotta uh, build the Parkers here, man. We gotta we gotta get a Parkers over there. That's right. That's right. So it's one of the, the, the local owners that had a shop in the mall is investing in it. So wow. uh, the prior owner, you know, it was a holding company that was based out of New York. So at least we've got a local entity that's here that's looking to invest in it and rethink the site. So it'll be exciting to see it shape up as it moves forward. Yeah, that is awesome. Um, uh, I wanted to also ask you, uh, I, I don't know how involved you are in this, is, is the... Guy Minnick Sports Complex right there on Sally Mood, um, kind of near the Bacon Park Golf Course. Is that in District 4? Absolutely. You know, that's between District 4, 3rd District. Uh, and we actually went out with the city manager on Friday to take a look at the site, you know, take a look at the lights, maintenance of the building, and really to give that an overhaul. So we met with some of the sports teams that are out there that are playing uh, and we've got to find a place for kids to play, practice, uh, and enjoy themselves. So that was invest. Guy Minnick Park is a is a wonderful asset for our community. It needs a significant investment. It could use, you know, it's got the old wooden poles that are up there for mm -hmm. the lights. That needs an investment. The the building needs an investment. 
you know, it's given us good life. And I call, you know, any of these maintenance issues, I call them good problems to have. Because if you have a public space, if you have a park, you want them to get used. You want them to get beat up. You want kids to be out there at all times using the space. So this is a good problem to have. And it's time to reinvest in it to bring it into the 21st century so that folks can enjoy it once again. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that a lot of people, the the complaints so far have been, and again, I know you're not day to day on this, but, but for the people that are, they, I guess they see that the, a car ran into one of the poles or, or however it happened originally in November and, and that the locks have been on that field or the field's been unusable or unsafe um, up until I, I think at this moment or, or just recently. Um, and I'll close with this, Alderman Palumbo. There, there have been people in, in recreation in Savannah who have thought, who have thought it's a good idea to, do baseball the way that they do soccer in terms of kind of contracting it out instead of the city running it. Do you have an opinion on like the role of like a city government in terms of offering recreation programs? Like it is, is that something that you think is mandatory for, for a city to do? Well, I think that for a city our size, it's time for us to really grow up and and take a look at the entire landscape of sports and recreation, not just in Savannah, but in Chatham County. You know, if there's a way to tie it together so that every child, uh, adult, uh, kids of all ages can get out there and play and that they have an accessible field. And if they want to participate in a league, that they could do that, too. You know, when I was growing up in Kenner, Louisiana, we had a robust intramural league. You could take a look at the Galatis Chargers. You know, it was a community center that had its own sports team. Uh, and I tell you, I was terrible at all of them. I was not gifted with athletic ability. No, I don't believe that. I don't believe that. However, however, I learned the value of team sports, camaraderie, teamwork, uh, the spirit of working together uh, that are so valuable. All of these skills that are off the curriculum, you know, those aren't in the standards of the Georgia milestones test, you know, but they're so valuable to growing up and being a good person and a good adult. So, uh, physical fitness that's out there, hand-eye coordination. And even if you're like me and you got two left feet, that you can go out there and play and have a good time. So it's time for us to take a look at not just the city of Savannah, but really countywide. What are the leagues that we can stand up? We don't want to outcompete with any of the other private leagues that are out there, but making sure that if you want to play, that you can play, that you have a park that you can be proud of and pull everybody together. That's just going to take a little bit of sweat equity on our part, We've made a lot of investments in, in parks and recreation over the years, uh, but we need to be much more strategic about how it all comes together so that kids can play. All right, there he is, the Pro Globe Alderman, Nick Palumbo. Uh, Nick, thank you so much for coming on. We have to get you back on uh, before this fall. I'm pretty sure there's some elections coming up, right? There's some elections coming <laughs> up. You know, it won't be boring. We are all up for re-election in November 2023. You know, the claws are already out. The mud's already been thrown. So I'm just trying to keep my, you know, uh, keep my feet on the ground and keep on working for y'all. So whether it be Guy Minnick Sports Complex that's out there, uh, a real-time traffic center, real-time crime center, or the globe itself, you know, we keep pushing onward and upward to serve you guys better. Thank you for all you're doing for raising awareness for local issues here in Savannah and beyond. We really appreciate you. Thank you, Alderman. We'll talk soon. You got it.
Savannah's premier indoor baseball training facility, SBPA is owned and operated by Ross Howard, and together with instructors who have played college and professional baseball, Ross and SBPA offer customized instruction year-round for baseball and softball players, full-length batting cages, pitching mounds, and a state-of-the-art technology to measure improvement are just a few of the highlights over at the Academy. Call Ross at 912-484-5282 and visit the Savannah Baseball Performance Academy on Facebook for programs, teams, camps, and more information about how to take advantage of this great venue. Savannah's only year-round indoor baseball facility, Ross Howard, our guy, give him a call, 912-484-5282.